Hey there, this is Bo James, and on behalf of the Wix Church of the Nazarene, I just want to say thank you for joining us. I believe there is something for you in this message, and I pray that it will help you grow your faith. Enjoy. Snow day. Yes, we have a snow day. I don't know. How much snow did you guys get? I We only got maybe an inch at our house. It was still beautiful, but I figure by the time I get home today, it's going to be gone. Um, but still, I, I think some of you got a little bit more than we did on that. So here we are again, and I don't want you to feel let down this morning because you're not sitting here with me in this room in the sanctuary. Because this is not church. In fact, I, this morning I, I was sitting there at the altar listening to the worship music with you guys and I had this envisionment of Jesus sitting at a table after a meal with his disciples around, just relaxed, lean back, and sharing the word and sharing moments with his disciples. Church, God is with you right where you are this morning. Can you envision not what you think we don't have this morning? Can you envision what you do have? You have Jesus Christ in your living room this morning, and he wants to sit with you, and he wants to just talk with you this morning. He wants to be with you in a in an intimate way of sharing God's word with you this morning. I want that to be your frame of mind. So my plan today was starting a new sermon series based on a book that I have read, and it's called The Five Practices of Fruitful Congregation by Robert Schnace. Now, when I decided um, back at the end of the year when God and I sat down together to kind of map out some of the sermons that I would be doing, I, I had this already in plan to start today. And so when we decided to go online, I thought, well, maybe I need to change my message. Maybe I need to, you know, tweak something else because, you know, this feels like something everybody needs to be sitting here with me, Lord. And and then God reminded me. He said, I already knew what was going to happen on Sunday. And he said, I was there with you when we planned it. So, so God already knew today When I planned this sermon series, he was with me in my yesterdays. So I said, okay, Lord, we're going to go forward with this. We can probably agree, if I make the statement, we want our church to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. I'm sure at home you can say amen, raise a hand, um, tap your your spouse next to you, make sure they, they heard that. We want the church to be fruitful for the kingdom of God. But what does that really mean? How do we live that out as the church body? You know, we've all felt the frustrations already this year. This last few weeks as, as we made plans and, and we had things in motion and we had to change them again. Things we were trying to plan together so that um, we could be together, fellowship together, and we've had to set them aside again. We felt that frustration because we thought, oh, 2022 is going to be great. It's going to be different, and, and here we are again. And you're thinking, how can we reach people with the message of Jesus if we're not there in person, BJ? Like, how can church continue to happen if we're not there with you this morning? But I challenge you today, if we're merely planning things and waiting for people to show up to this building, then we're already surrendering our hope of sharing the love of Christ with the majority of the people around us. In other words, we're going to miss it. 
You know, for a long time, the church, Big C Church, we've used what is called the attraction model or the come and see model. Um, that pretty much means we plan it, we promote it, and they will come. And in our minds, that seems right. That's okay, because that was probably our own experience. Maybe you have a testimony of an event that a church planned, and and you went, and you heard a word from God, and, and that's okay. Come and see is not a bad thing. You know, 15 years, 15, 16 years ago, we experienced this huge growth in our youth ministry, Thomas and I did, and our youth ministry was one of the largest in this uh, district. And most of it was based on that come and see. We, we did things. We made plans for, for big gatherings, whether it was summer kickoff, whether it was Swandon Philodely, um, whether it was taking kids to extravaganza. We did these come and see events, and they showed up. And we did this because it's what we knew. It's what people taught to us. It's what was working right? It obviously was working. Um, maybe some of the finer details of why it worked so well. There was no phones. There was no um, cell phones. There was no internet, you know, besides dial-up. Oh my, who had time for dial-up, right? To connect with their friends. And so they had to come to church to make a connection in the middle of the week, outside of school, it was a reason to get out of the house. It was a reason to go see whoever you're dating. So the come and see worked. Problem is, it doesn't work as well anymore. Because some of those things that we didn't have, we do have now. We have cell phones and internet that kids stay connected all the time. In fact, it's so connected that now they see how many options they've got of other things they could be doing. Um, there's also this new thing with young adults that they call themselves the, the nons and the duns. The nons mean I don't, I don't really want to be a part of any certain denomination, any certain body of believers. And the duns are those that are like, I'm just done with church. Like I don't, I don't trust it anymore. And, and the way we've always done things doesn't work. You see, these young adults now think that church is boring, that it's judgmental, that it's hypocritical and out of touch with what they are living life as. And I know we can say that, well, that's not our church, BJ. If they just saw us, if they just would take a chance and visit with us, they'd see how great we are, how, how nice, how, how welcoming. Yeah, we could always say we're the different church. Every church probably says it. But the problem is... When people, not just young people, any person cannot find the idea of church appealing, they'll not be attracted to show up at anything that we plan, no matter how well we do it. And so this brings me to the thought of how Jesus did ministry. Jesus did not just sit around and wait for people to come find him. No, he didn't just use the come and see method. Now, there was times this this happened. We can pull up stories and talk about the times people were seeking out Jesus. But a lot of times we see Jesus going out into life right where the people were at. And in fact, it was probably a lot of these encounters where he was out in life with people that others saw 
who he was, what he was doing, and word would spread, and then that would then generate people to come to Jesus. You know, another reality to our youth ministry growth all those years ago was not just the events we planned. We also trained a core group of our kids how to share their faith, how to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Like we actually took them to knock on doors. And I know people can say, oh, you don't need to take that approach. It was more about training these kids to overcome fear than it was about anything. So we, we trained them how to share their faith. We trained them to, to look for all opportunities, whether that was in the middle of their, their class at school or in an event they were at or if they were in a Walmart parking lot. And we also found service projects for them to, to get out and be a part of. So we didn't just make events for them to come to. We had this core group of kids that were out in life living the gospel of Jesus Christ. I know as the church, we, we feel that battle sometimes. There seems to be this battle of how we've always done things versus doing it a new way. And a lot of times that battle is, is pulling back and forth, but we've always done it like this, and we used to see really good things. And then somebody's over here with this new idea, yeah, but we want to try something new. How about if we take a moment to realize it doesn't have to be either or? that it can be this and that. In other words, there are still some things that we've always done that works. But there will be new ways. Remember that definition a couple of weeks? Things that have never existed before? There will be new ways of sharing the gospel if we want to be that fruitful congregation. So this book I'm reading, Five Practices of Fruitful Congregations by Robert Schnace, he lists the five things that we'll be talking about over the next few weeks. Radical hospitality, passionate worship, intentional faith development, risk-taking mission and service, extravagant generosity. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 25 in your Bibles this morning. Matthew 25 starting with verse 35. This is Jesus talking. He's talking about when there's a time of judgment coming, when there's a time of of separating left from right, those who are living right, those who are not. And this is what he says, verse 35. For I was hungry, and you fed me. I was thirsty, and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me into your home. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visited me. Radical hospitality. What is that? You know, hospitality is not just about hosting an event. In fact, when you look at the original word that that hospitality comes from, it actually means to be the host and it can also mean to be the guest. So the host, how, how do we do things here? When we are the host, when we have that come and see, um, maybe Sunday morning when, when people are showing up, you know, being the stranger among people who already know one another is the most unnerving thing there is. 
Now, you'll understand this if you've ever had to walk into a church all by yourself for the very first time, and you didn't know anyone in that room. That is the most unnerving. And maybe not everyone who's watching this morning, maybe you've not really experienced that. I mean, maybe you can, can relate that you've walked into something where you didn't know anybody. But man, coming into church where you are seeking out a place to worship God, to feel safe, and you know no one in there. I've had that experience, and it's the scariest thing. Even, even when I was meeting a friend there, I remember in high school, uh, friends inviting me to come for Sunday school, and that was great, but I still showed up by myself, had to walk through the front door, tell a greeter who I was, what I, who I was looking for, and then point me to that class, and then walk into a classroom, which, by the way, I was late, so the only chair left was on the very front row for Sunday school, and I had to walk to the front to sit there. Not even by the friend, the friend that invited me, didn't even save me a seat, by the way. But again, we didn't have cell phones, so there was no connection of, hey, I definitely am coming. That's the most unnerving and hard thing for anyone to do. But you see, people, what they want is to be part of a community. So radical hospitality, when someone shows up, is for us to just make a way for them to feel the most comfortable when they walk in. And people want to be part of a community. That's why the way we used to do things really worked, because people knew that church was a place to go for that, and they showed up. They were drawn to church. But today, people are finding communities in so many other places. People find community in sports, right, with other sports families, sports players. People find community um, with the Ag Club, FFA or, or you know, um, 4-H. People are finding community on social media in every platform there is. Whether it's good, whether it's bad, we'll debate that another time. But the point is, they're finding people that they are connecting to because they share interests. There is something in common. In fact, any hobby and interest you have, I am almost certain there is probably an app for that to be able to find other people. Do, do you remember that old TV show that had the theme song, I want to go where everybody knows my name, and they're always glad you came? Yeah, you all are going to be singing that now, aren't you? Yes, you are. I'm reading another book by Jackie Hill Perry and her testimony um, of, of becoming a Christian. And uh, she uh, shared this one thing when, when she went to church for the first time, had to walk in by herself again. She said, as people began to, you know, you know, shake hands, introduce, because we do that. We see somebody new and, and we walk over and we introduce ourselves. But she said there was this one woman and this woman, uh, you know, introduced herself, and, and Jackie told her who she was, and the woman repeated her name back. And at first, Jackie was like, is she, she judging me? Because, you know, Jackie has quite the testimony, and, and she was uncertain about even being in church that morning. But she knew by the tone of the lady that the lady was actually cataloging Jackie's name in her, her mind. And this is what she said about going to church that day. It wasn't the program's or the preaching that began to lift my distrust 
of the church. It was the woman who I knew would remember my name if I ever decided to come back. Church. Radical hospitality means that we take an extra step. That means if you walk away from a new person in our congregation and they've told you the name, because I'm, I'm just as bad. I am the worst because so much stuff gets told to me on a Sunday morning. So sometimes somebody will tell me a name and before I can hit the stage, it's probably already fallen away. Unless I take the, the moment to open up my iPad and I'll, you'll see me jot down a note. It means I'm, I'm writing a name down. Or I'm, I'm opening my phone. I'll type a name in so that I don't forget that name. Because this testimony of this woman, she, the thing, because she, she didn't trust the church. She had had so much hurt in her past. And it was the fact that somebody did not judge her for being there. And they were going to take the opportunity to just remember her name. That's an important step. Radical hospitality, when we're the, the guest, because you see, it's, it's not just come to us, but God sends us, and then we become the guest. So it's about being sent out. You know, John Wesley and some other Methodists, they became a problem for the traditional church because of their radical hospitality. See, John, he decided he would go out and preach on the roadside and in open fields to these blue-collar workers, to just the, the average Joe out there who would probably never darken the doors of a church building. And that offended the traditional church. That's not how we've always done it, John. But he was following God's lead on it. And he began to teach this thing that is one of our articles of faith, the prevenient grace of God. He said, God is already preparing people. There are people in the harvest field waiting to accept Jesus Christ, but we have to go to them instead of waiting for them to come to us. He said, God is preparing them with his grace and people are ready to accept it. That's what, that's what prevenient grace is. By God's grace, people may be more ready to receive the word of Jesus Christ and accept his salvation and his forgiveness than we realize. You see, we, we only think they're ready when they come to us through the front door. No, they're, they're out there hurting and God is drawing them to him. They just, don't know to come to that front door. Or maybe they've been hurt in the past in a church and they're not going to darken that door again. But that doesn't mean God doesn't love them. To be the host, to be the guest, radical hospitality. If we only practice it one hour on a Sunday morning with big smiles and open arms, you know, we do that well on a Sunday morning. But if that's the only time, it means little if we do not practice it daily in our lives. I became a believer because I had an aunt who reached out to me every week. She took me to ball games every week with her. She took me shopping. She took me out to eat in restaurants that I had never been at. 
And eventually, and intermingled in all of that, she shared God's Word with me and shared Bibles with me and shared Sunday school material. And I became a believer because of that. Notice, I never said I went to church with her. I never started going to church (laughs) immediately following that. But God still came to me right where I was through her. Most churches can probably say we practice hospitality. But radical hospitality means we take it a step further. Let me just give you an example. So when we're planning for VBS, there's three different approaches that we can we can take to it. First of all, you may say, if I ask, well, why do we even want to have VBS? Well, to give our, our kids something fun to do during the summer when they're out of school. Okay. Now, maybe another person would answer, so that our children and our grandchildren hear about God through fun activities. Well, that's pretty good. That's, that's really good, actually. But radical hospitality, this is what it says. So that our children, our grandchildren, and the neighborhood children hear about God through these fun activities and their families can experience Christ's love through a faith community. You see, radical hospitality extends beyond our body of believers. It reaches out to those that we may not even know yet. And in Matthew 25, Jesus shows us exactly what radical hospitality looked like. First of all, he said it happens in the simplest of things. You see, all these things that we just read about, feeding the hungry, giving them something to drink, inviting people into your home, clothing people, caring for people when they're sick, visiting people in in prison, all of these things are things that any one of you can do. It's not something so hard that you can say, I can't do that. It's not about the church forming a committee to create a grand thing. It's about seeing a need and just simply fulfilling it. But wait a minute, radical. Man, that's that word that gives me a picture of something big, right? Shouldn't it be something that we just all come together, collective? There are those things. There are things that we do as a church. There are opportunities we have that when we come together as the body, um, it increases our ability to do things. But sometimes radical hospitality is simply just stepping out of your comfort zone to fulfill the need. You see, another thing Jesus showed us in this passage is radical hospitality must help someone without calculating the return. In other words, in this passage, Jesus is talking about, if you read this whole segment together, he's talking about the separating of people left to right. In other words, on the right are those who did things God's way. They're going to they're gonna inherit the kingdom of God. They're the ones on the left, man, you missed it. You didn't do it. And radical hospitality then 
Jesus says, was when they ministered to these people in need. Just simply, somebody was hungry, so I went and bought them a meal. You know, somebody was hungry, and, and I saw that mama worried about just paying for the food in front of me and at, at Walmart, so I, I just stepped up and, and bought her groceries. Jesus says they ministered, though, to him when they did this. Look at verse 37. Then these righteous ones, the ones that he said when you did all of these things, they said, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? In, in other words, they're thinking back. They're trying to remember all these times that maybe they did these things and they're like, I, I don't. I don't remember seeing Jesus there. Like, was he in that group of guys that we gave our fish to the other day? Because I'm not remembering it. You see, Jesus said, when you did it to these, you did it to me. In other words, these people were not trying to impress anyone. They were not even trying to impress Jesus with things that they did. They just acted in a way... Because it was the right thing to do. They saw a need. They realized, I have something in my hand that can fulfill that need. And they just did it. And nobody knew about it. Nobody knew. Now the ones on the left, though, the ones over here that Jesus said, Hey, you, you saw me hungry and, and you didn't feed me. You, you didn't give me a drink. You, you didn't invite me in. You didn't clothe me. You didn't visit me. And then they're over here thinking, Well, Lord... If we had known that was you, we would have done it. You see, that's where we calculate the return. If I know that, that God is looking, then, then yeah, I'm going to do the right thing. But God is always looking. God is always looking. Radical hospitality is not about receiving anything back to me. It's just simply being the hands and feet of Jesus and doing what's right because it's right. And here's a really random tip. When, when maybe you're the one that someone is giving radical hospitality to, when somebody's loving on you, be careful how you thank them. Just simply send them a card in the mail and say thank you. Because that person, they're not trying to get a return. They don't want a pat on the back. They just are trying to love on you. So they don't need a public display of what a great person they are. In fact, you kind of you kind of take away from them when you do that because they just they just want to love. Let them love. Radical hospitality, Jesus said, is about loving people as if they were Jesus. A lot of times my prayer is, Lord, let me see people through your eyes. Because if I do that, I see them as the creation of God. I see them as the children of God, whether they're lost or they're found. And Jesus was very clear. When we help one of these, it's the same as helping him. Ignoring or denying someone in need, it's the same as ignoring or denying Jesus Christ. Martin of Tours, he, he was from France and, and he was a Roman soldier and a Christian. And here's a story that he's very well known for. On a very cold winter day, 
He was entering the city and there was a beggar there at the gates who had stopped him asking for alms, asking for money. And he didn't have any money with him on that particular day. But he did notice that this beggar is blue and his lips are, are shivering and he's so cold. And so Martin took off his soldier's coat because he didn't have money. There was nothing else he could do. He took his soldier's um, sword and he cut that coat in half to give half the coat to the beggar sitting on the side of the road. Because that's all he had that he could give. But he gave what he had. And it says that later that evening when he laid down and he, he went to sleep, he had a dream. And he dreamed that night of angels and Jesus in a heavenly place. And the angels had approached Jesus because he's wearing half of a soldier's coat. And the angels are like, where did you get that cloak, Lord? And Jesus softly answered, my servant Martin gave it to me. Radical hospitality, when we love one of these, we love Jesus. When we learn that radical hospitality, without calculating a return for our own good, that helps others in the simplest of ways, will know the joy of helping Jesus Christ himself. Then church will be a fruitful congregation. Don't become weary, church. Though we may be taking precautions today, and we're not sitting here in a big group together, it's only for a short time. It's only for a little while that we just have to take some precautions again, and that's okay. But in this time, practice radical hospitality. When you see a need, just be the help. Whatever's in your hand. Instead of asking someone, hey, if you need something, let me know. Maybe you know what they need and you just need to go drop it on their front porch. Because you can't, you can't go in and visit them. Maybe they're sick, but you just know. They need some cans of soup to just make sure they, they have something easy to fix over the next few days. Because I think sometimes we're aware. We are aware. We just, uh, man, sometimes we think, it, I don't have time today, right? We, we, it, would, it would make me shift some things, right? But I've always been told if you see the need, you may be part of the solution. Maybe it's as simple as right now in this time, there are people that are staying home to, to stay safe right now. We know that. Give them some phone calls. Hey, just thinking about you today. Send them a letter again. Send them a card this week. Just so that they know that you know their name. Radical hospitality is not about loving people who deserve it. In fact, I bet we all can think of a time when someone showed us that radical hospitality and we knew we didn't deserve it. But we were given God's grace and God's mercy and God's love. And it's through those moments that God will shine in people's lives. 
that they'll understand God is real because he fulfilled this need through this person. And, and yes, we, we think, well, BJ, that's your job. You're, you're the pastor. You're supposed to be out there visiting. I try. I try to connect to people. I try to visit people when I can, but I can only do so much. I'm only one. And let me also point back to our scripture today. This is not the judgment of the pastors and the leaders of the church. This was the judgment of all believers. In other words, we're all called to that radical hospitality of loving people being the hands and feet of Jesus Christ to those around us. So church family, be the church. And when you are the church out there, we'll be a fruitful congregation. And when I say that, I'm not looking to increase our numbers. I mean, I'm looking to increase the numbers of the kingdom of people who have come to Jesus Christ because we've loved on them. And that does not always equal inside this room. But we'll know when we get to heaven what that was. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. God, thank you for the ability that uh, we had to come together. Thank you, God, that I believe you were in every house church this morning. I believe that your spirit was felt and your word was heard. So I, I pray over that word this morning that it will take root in good soil and begin to sprout in every believer listening this morning. And Father, may our eyes be opened up this week that we'll see those needs set before us in every situation that we're in. May we realize the need we see and may we realize what's in our hands to help that person in need. I thank you, Father, and I pray over the congregation today that uh, you will just keep them healthy, Lord. And Father, this community just needs your touch right now in this, in this trying time of sickness in so many places, and it's interrupting jobs and, and the flow of things. And Father, we just call on you as the great physician. And Father, we're going to give you praise in all that happens because of who you are in Jesus' name. All right, hang with me online just a second. Thomas, do you have our names? Give me two names pulled out of the bucket, please, sir. For Sandy Cook. And Shelly Myers. All right, ladies, you will be contacted this week on how to receive your gift cards to Amazon. Thank you for joining. Have a blessed day today and be a blessing to others. Good day. Hey, I hope you received exactly what you needed from that message. If you want to connect with us, you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, or you can always find us in person if you're in the area. If you'd like to support our ministries, you can find us on Tithely. Thank you to those who support our church. I hope you will subscribe and join us on the next one. And remember, you are loved.